and welcome to the Angle Podcast with Brian, Bill, and Mike. To jump off of our top 10 best modern fantasies, we're going to continue discussion with particular cases. And go! So I've been reading uh, Stormfront, the first in the Dresden Files series of books by Jim Butcher. Thoroughly enjoying it. Really like Bob. I think Bob is my favorite character so far. Bob the Skull. Bob the Skull, man. A Uh, lot of fun. Who would figure? (laughs) He's sort of a pervert. He's sort of a wise-ass pervert. I just like his uh, level of experience, and chicks like chocolate, man. That's that's <laughs> my that's been my favorite quote so far. It's been uh, a while since yeah. I've read that one. Yeah, I'm about halfway through. Really looking forward to finishing it. I thought I was going to finish tonight uh, before this podcast, before this recording, if it weren't for this fucking wasp, an actual bug. <laughs> yes, not uh, a in white Anglo, white Anglo-Saxon person or. Protestant. Protestant. Thoroughly enjoying it. Looking forward to the next one. Uh, I have my predictions about how it ends. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It has a lot of good themes, a lot of things to be prepared for. If you continue the series, there is going to be... The next two books are a little bumpy. The next book, interesting. Summer Night, I believe, is the next book. Then the one after that's really hard for a lot of people to get through. But (laughs) Parts of the dialogue remind me of you a lot, Brian. Probably why I was attracted to the series. Dresden does have this sort of flippant attitude that I can relate to. It's not so much the attitude. It's more just the words. Like he says, uh, at one point he says, like, sheesh, okay, I'll do whatever. I don't remember what the context was. But I was like, oh, that's Brian all day. Like, that is a <laughs> that is something Brian would say, sheesh. specifically. Well, uh, it's not really a spoiler, but they start getting into a lot of referential... Thing. It's something that's come into pop culture. What do you think of that, Bill? A lot of series, like one of my favorite, uses like nerd culture to sort of be relatable to a lot of their readers. Like Ready Player One. I don't know. It can be a double-edged sword. Sometimes it's good. Helps people relate. Other times it, it feels shoehorned in. So it just depends. Like Mike, you should like Dresden. I don't know if it's come up, but he loves Star Wars. Oh, it hasn't come up yet. I liked, um, I like that he's, now sometimes he says, you know, I'm being a smartass, but I really didn't find his comments very smartass. Yeah, so he's a little, I think that's, he's a little weak in the beginning. As I said, the first book sets a decent tone, but he's definitely a weaker character in the beginning and grows. It's more of an author problem than I think a character problem. Yeah, you're probably right. The character does grow. He was super weak in the original novella story or short story. It was just a quick little cute thing that brought Dresden and Karen together. And funny enough, in the TV series, I find it funny how they switched the romantic interest and the Karen's character, the cop character. Like, the romantic interest, this might be a spoiler, even for you, Mike. But oh, yeah. He's dating uh, a, sort of a Hispanic Susan? chick. Yeah, Susan. Susan Rodriguez? Yep, and Karen's a yeah. short little blonde. And the TV yeah. show, for some weird reason, they swapped. The cop was uh, Hispanic, and the girlfriend was the blonde. Oh, so that's lame. And he had a hockey stick instead of a staff. the The show was just headed towards disaster. Oh, so do Susan and Harry? I guess spoilers. Do because I'm at the point. I literally the last thing I read last night was I because I was cringing and it was twelve thirty, but I was like. 
I gotta stop. I gotta stop reading. Cause I, I gotta go to bed. Uh, but he was forgetting that he had a date with her, with Susan. Well, uh, things happen. Let's talk about her. something else. Things happen. Ah! <laughs> about all I'll tell you. <laughs> la 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 la. la. <laughs> That's it. That's Cover my headphones say. like it's gonna. <laughs> I was laughing at that. Actually. And major spoiler: <laughs> things might happen with Karen also, but not anytime soon, Mike. Mike just throws his headphones across the room. I thought about it actually. <laughs> I did think about it. I didn't say good things would happen with her. <laughs> what other modern fantasies are we going to talk about? <laughs> Bill, recently I was reading on your recommendation. I believe it's The Lost Gate by Orson Scott Card. Only one mm-hmm. book in. Got through What'd it. What'd you think? Pretty good. I'll rate it as my above average rating. You know, a seven or eight. It doesn't have quite the spark for me, personally. That's things like the Dresden Files does or the Babaverse. Good st- See, I'm really critical like of writing. Roll, right? <laughs> it's about a relatability thing. As Mike said, I sort it's of have anime a similar. I have a similar attitude to Dresden, and I'm sure if either one of you read the Bobaverse, you would see a part of me within Bob, the character Bob. I'm neither as powerful as Dresden or as smart as Bob, but I need relatability to keep, sort of. We know see, you're an egomaniac. Huh? We get it. Okay. Yes. Well, that's why they say that Keanu Reeves is the perfect frontman because he's so vanilla and such a canvas that you can the the viewer makes them the surrogate for the story very easily. I you think can he's transpose yourself cool onto. Recently, some people would have trouble with Keanu Reeves. In the beginning, I will agree, he was a blank slate, but he's become like a national icon now, sort of through his good deeds and and yeah. His general attitude. No one hates him. I mean, even Johnny Depp has some problems with his shit. But let's not go down that rabbit hole. And Orson Scott Card really loves his childhood prodigy. Usually he builds them correctly. Like, there's always a reason. Ender, he was a prodigy because two genius children. They are two genius parents who already had two really intelligent children. And in the Lost Gates case, they thoroughly explain why... Oh, I'm forgetting his name. I just read this. Danny? And now I'm forgetting his name. <laughs> but it's been a while since I read it, actually. I believe it's Daniel Thorogood Marshall. <laughs> That's his full name. Not. I remember the name they came from was the North. I think it was Danny North. Something with a D. But, yeah, they always establish it well. It always is weird to see the children talk like adults, but yet still act like a child. It's Danny, yeah. Okay. I did not misremember that. But, yeah, it's always weird. A little weird in the Orson Scott card when he has child characters. I mean, even other books I've read read by him, such as... uh, some other weird science fiction slash fantasy series. Same thing. Super intelligent main child protagonist. Do you think that's how Orson Scott Card sees himself? I wonder that about Stephen King sometimes. Uh, if some of his stuff is Self-insert. him living out 
uh, yeah, or at least how he how he wishes his childhood was. You know, I think it's just a natural from his theater days. I believe he likes to build the character from the ground up, from childhood to go on. And uh, Adich is a writer. Uh, write about the most interesting part of your character's life. And I think he thinks, at least for the stories that he established, not all his stories star children. I don't want to bring that. A lot of them are youngish. You probably read more Orson Scott Card than me. Would you agree with that? Yeah, a lot of his characters are young. I mean... Even with the Enders series, though, I mean, there are children in a couple of them, but not throughout. So he has the ability to to write, you know, both adults and children. So it's not like he is stuck in that young adult he phase He just does or whatever, a lot of series, and he definitely he deals with the children a lot more adult-like compared to J.K. Rowling or even the Golden Compass. Uh, Pullman. Which is something I kind of enjoy. I mean, I don't know. Because you're able to, whether you're a, you know, a kid or a young adult or, or as an adult, you're able to read his books and, and in some way relate. And it doesn't feel like he's, as an author, talking down to, to children. You know what I mean? I think yeah. And you can... A lot of, and, and a lot of the typical hijinks where you're like with the adult why are they that stupid when they're that smart as a child that comes across as a little bit more believable when they yeah. just like impulsive trying to peer pressure it, it makes for more plot convenience it, mm-hmm. it also his dark material i didn't actually read it but the MacGuffin of the golden compass telling them everywhere that's that bothered me as some parts, but I've probably been watching too much critical YouTubers, and some of them are overcritical. Oh God, everything probably wrong. So. <laughs> everything wrong with the Force Awakens or the Last Jedi, told in like ten-hour chunks. I'm like, really, people are that critical? Even someone did like a two-hour critique of. Persona 5. I'm like, what the hell's the nitty nitpicks? How does this have an audience? Brian's like, oh no, they didn't. <laughs> it's not about the fact that they critiqued it. The fact they spent hours and hours on it. That's what sells, man. That's I, I just, another thing where we have no one to blame but ourselves. Because I, if people weren't watching that and getting some validation out of, oh well, actually, you know. And, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry for getting us off on that tangent, but just thinking about... You got me off, baby. (laughs) It's also a byproduct of the way everything's been geared toward mass market to a ridiculous degree, though. Yeah. Right. You know, because they plug in these formulas in Hollywood and try to pump out these movies and whatever that they think follow some sort of formula... And either the source material or the writing or whatever suffers, and they don't care as long as they make their box office number that they're looking for. So it's also kind of, you know, a lot of people get angry at that and and people who are, you know, 
fans of a certain series or a certain, you know, I don't know, like, you know, set of books or whatever get upset and, and feel the need to rage about it. Yes. And I'm sorry for that sort of tangent from our Lost Gate discussion. I mean, overall, that was a general overview. I think the established of the powers is pretty cool. It would make a good uh, concept in theory and video games, the sort of magic system. The afterwards Orson Scott card had on this how old the magic system, despite how new the book is, was quite interesting. And the fact of how they merged uh, old lore. I really sort of have a hard-on for where they they have modern fantasy. Like, Dresden does the same as it goes on. A lot of the their magic system, or at least the magical world that they live in, explains a lot of the myths of mankind yeah I've the same that myself that's why same, i recommended it yeah another reason to get into dresden but you'll have to wait until at least the second book before that starts coming to light yeah my my biggest problem with the lost gate was it was just a little slow moving there's a little mm-hmm. too much filler for me yeah a lot of melandrian a lot of character i really didn't like his friend in the beginning Sort of a douchebag, but it was meant to be that way. A lot I mean, of If you live that like vagabond lifestyle, I feel like you run into that that type of person one way. Or I mean, another. it's realistic, and yeah. I like the fact that Orson Scott Card doesn't take really moralistic choices, like both Ender's Game and this book. I mean, he does have a clear-cut core morals, but certain extents, like you know, the questionable things they do in that. Mm-hmm. You need to do certain things to survive in certain positions. Mm-hmm. And despite him being a Mormon, he incorporates the fact that people need to do that sort of shit sometimes in life to survive. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that the other day, the blend of religion and that sci-fi aspect. Uh, we were talking about signs. And uh, I put on signs while I was doing some work over the weekend, and that was a mistake because I was like captivated by the movie. <laughs> Um, and I really didn't want to work. So, like, talk more around that, maybe. What, about... That blend the, of religion just, mixed with that sci-fi fantasy kind of environment? How that plays into... That's interesting. So he's a Mormon, and he has to do some things that maybe... No, no. I'm assuming Orson go against Scott his... Orson Card is a Mormon, and it's a deeply oh. religious faith. Oh, maybe but, there's a Neil Gaiman book, then. Yes, Neil... Okay. Neil Gaiman has uh, an American Gods. He has the Gods of Old sort of dying and sort of the New Age in the story. Like the internet, the television has Gods represented them. In reality, well, I shouldn't spoil it. Are either one of you guys are going to read it? Just put slight spoilers. Don't don't go heavy. Uh, I'm just talking about the theme. The theme is almost a con movie. In a way, it, it's a battle. You know, it's a very interesting. Duping the gods. Yeah, yeah. duping the gods. That's kind of cool. There is. I would have to get into details, but it's not that simple. There's a certain con aspect to it, along with sort of a battle for a faith of the people, and that runs throughout it. 
I don't think it really comes up in the Lost Gate. I meant the gods definitely. It's a new take. It's definitely an original take on the gods of old in the series. Did you want to expand on that, Bill? Of what you thought, how they did that? Well, like you said, I, I've always kind of enjoyed that sort of mixing of mythology and, and fantasy sci-fi in the modern world. I mean, I liked uh, we talked, the Will Smith movie Bright for the kind of the same reasons, that kind of thing. Um, and there's been a few other films, but it, with, it's hard without getting into like deep spoilers of the book. But I do like the way they mix Norse mythology into like the modern world and how it's like this old world magic that's kind of being rediscovered. And he, Orson Scott Card usually does a pretty good job of, if you've read his books, he usually has two almost completely disparate storylines going on in, in usually in the beginning of his books. And then they, about midway through, slowly start to intertwine. And I think he does a good job of doing that with the Lost Gate, with kind of the old mythology and the the new character that is kind of the main character that he's writing about. So, I mean, I, again, I don't want to get into like major spoilers because, you know, there's stuff that, you know, if anybody's interested in reading the book or, or moving forward that you'd be like, whoa, holy mackerel. So I don't want to kind of give that those sort of things up. But he does do a good job at, at, of kind of like intertwining the two. Yeah, they definitely do get heavy into the Norse mythology. Minor spoiler, Loki is sort of a trickster. And there's a lot of applications to that, even in the book. It's really twisted. And I okay, sort so of like you that You said twist. Loki, my my like heart jumped. I was like, oh my god, Brian, you're going to give up like some major... Like, like, no, minor spoiler. Well, that's... Yeah, that's North Mythology 101, though. It is. It is. But if you read the book, there's like... The, he, he was definitely in a minefield once he said the word Loki. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was almost more of a spoiler. Than I'm playing a little yeah. bit of a trickster. I almost get built like little Joel. Like he's going to yeah. major ruin the book for anyone. No. I'm going to try to avoid that this time. I already let loose with the Joel thing. I mean, Marvel aside... Anyone that's read any bit, any scrap of Norse mythology, loved Loki, just for the... We all wear masks, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> yeah, well, they insert him, that man in anywhere they go. His Dark Good Materials man. mixes the religion, sci-fi, and fantasy pretty yeah, well, too. I, even going four episodes in, I could see the parallels with the Catholic Church, which I read about. I'm like, really? Wow. They really are going dark. Let, you want to expand on that? Again, like, it's very difficult without giving away major spoilers. But in The Golden Compass, I think most people either watch the HBO series, His Dark Materials, or have watched the, the movie Golden Compass or, or read the first book because it's most popular. It's been, you know, um, publicized the most. So 25 years, a, probably, if I'm right. Huh? It's been on print I'm, for 25 years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and uh, and I it, wonder that if one the, deals with. Go ahead. I was wondering if the sort of the armored bear was sort of like a polar opposite. My part in the pun <laughs> off of uh, the line of Narnia. I, I see a reflection of Narnia in the Golden Compass, but I don't know how they proceed. I'm not saying I mean, it's Narnia... anyone similar, but. 
it definitely Chronicles takes... of Narnia kind of yeah they, it, they mix the religion and fantasy too. It's just not in like a a more modern setting or whatever. Yes, but I'm saying I'm wondering if uh, the Golden Compass was almost a reaction because as a writer. As someone who was inspired to write off of what I considered a decent story, but didn't take the steps it needed to, I was wondering if the Golden Compass was almost a reaction to Narnia. And I could see that happening. Similar magic systems. Maybe. I mean, again, spoiler alert, like I said, the Golden Compass kind of, they bring the church into it quite a bit, like, because the church is in and you know control the colleges and a bunch of other stuff so if you you know i don't again want to spoiler you know spoil too much in that but they they it's heavily influenced in in the story but it goes much further into religion in the second two books so as part of his dark materials is a three book series once it gets into the second and third book religion becomes a a huge part of it so it's it's goes a lot deeper in, into that vein. And major spoiler for Narnia, the lion is a allegory or some sort of analog for Jesus. Sorry, boys God. and girls. Sorry. What I was his that. name? Azrael? Was it? Or... Something. I was never a big Narnia person. I liked the idea, but the movie was sort of th- boring, and the book wasn't really worth the time after the movie i think i got as far as prince caspian in the yeah, book I series yeah i didn't watch the movies yeah i, watched, so I didn't read the books i watched the first movie then prince caspian and i'm like this is like a return to oz sort of thing they go back and like 200 years has passed cool in concept but in execution no the first movie yeah, was see, good that was one of those ones, like, my, my mom read my sister, Anne of Green Gables, when we mm. were kids, and she read me Line the Witch in the Wardrobe. I know that The Hobbit is one that was meant to be read to children, right, by their parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. Never got that. But, uh, God, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, so, I don't know. When the movies came out, I was not, and I saw how CG'd they were, I had no interest at all. understand. It was CG at a very difficult time. Talking about CG actually done right, that's probably what actually propelled Harry Potter to popularness. They were actually CG? well the done. They were well done. The for first the time. one was pretty bad. Does not. Hold it didn't up look well. good. No, yeah, it does not hold up well. It for the time it was probably yeah, all right. That's what I'm but saying. now it just looks like you're looking at some sort of clip from a Nintendo 64 game. Or that something. was just the cherry on the top yeah. uh, of the franchise. Because everyone was reading the books at that point. Yeah. Everyone that wanted to was... It was already an international phenomenon. Oh, big time. Yeah. The movies just cemented the fame. Because there, there was some problems with the books. I mean, with the movies, I hear. The adaption of the movies. People were like, the book the is better. The biggest problem is that they weren't long enough. Yeah. It's just, uh, I mean, they should have at least made it made extended versions. Like, because if the first and second one you can kind of get away with because they are, they are meant for children, you know. But again, as as the books scale, and the the characters get older, the readers get older, the books become you know longer, more complicated. 
they should have made some extended editions at, at the very least and, st- and started making the, the the movies a little longer. I mean, the the last one was split into two, yep. you know, part one and part two, which it definitely needed to be, but I don't know, long before that, they should have been making the movies a little bit longer and putting more detail in them. That yeah. might fit into your earlier point about how it's it's almost a case study of you already had a pretty solid four-act series in mm-hmm. The Sorcerer's Stone uh, and trying to adapt that to a more streamlined three-act movie. Mm-hmm. You lose a lot in translation um, in terms of the beats and whatnot. I don't know. I've, I've never read the books, and I, I don't think I've ever actually seen Sorcerer's Stone, the movie. Uh, I came in very late in the movie series. I've still, I've still never read one book. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore dies, by the way. Uh, you didn't preface that with spoilers. <laughs> I mean, everyone that cares. How dare you? No Wait. one watches this, first of all. Second of all, everyone that cares already Hi, knows. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Hey, buddy. Hey, future Mike, when I watch this for a fucking... <laughs> to make sure I look good. Since we're talking about all these excellent modern fantasy, how do you think they do overall? The blend of modern day with fantasy. I mean, there isn't a lot out that's really phenomenal. Even Dresden's about the only example, probably not the only example, that has sort of that duality of the modern and the fantasy together. His Dark Material is a separate magical world. And I'm assuming whenever they come to our world that they hide it a little bit from the series because of the secret order. I know you had like a question about it being modern, but if you look at even the Golden Compass, you know, they use a lot of technology. It's just different because they're supposed to be in like a different spoiler, spoiler, it's like a dimensional thing. Yeah, I can tell that from the series right. okay the one so dude crosses just in case anybody is world. like you know whoa but yeah so it's it's a dimensional thing and in their dimension like there is technology i mean they have obviously like the airships and they have the the Boats. you know yeah and there, there's other like electronic equipment that comes into it and that kind of stuff so there's technology so i think that that kind of brings it out of the whole like swords and wizards you know typical fantasy you know setting they have guns um, I don't yeah, know if they exactly. have, them in they have the books. too. Yeah, so um, I think that's part of it. But then, again, spoiler alert: as you move into the second and third book, they eventually move into what I would assume is is implied as our dimension. Like, you know, and there's modern day. There's computers. There's cars. There's that kind of stuff. So they do link that to the modern day, like in our in our uh, dimension. Yeah, I understand that, but they there's sort of a separation between state and church, so to speak. That's <laughs> very apt for uh, his dark materials. I still can't. That's a horrible name for a series. Tells you almost nothing about it. But that aside, Dresden, American Gods sort of blend. Like you see what these supernatural beings are doing in the modern world and why some people don't know about them. In the Dresden Files, people are just ignorant. (laughs) So it's sort of like the real world. People see magic and they discount it as a hallucination or someone's crazy. 
there's one character who has a supernatural there's a character who like says there's something wrong with these dead bodies and he gets sent to a psych ward okay even though there's a whole division who sort of studies this under the books and they I feel they like assume, this like go ahead i'm sorry go ahead i'm just saying in american gods the gods are dwindling in power so they only have minor powers because i think the way that's set up is they're powered by faith and when they loot zeus doesn't really have any many believers anymore so he doesn't have that extra juice same for all the other gods in a way they kind of clap yeah or even like the divine comedy right dante's the inferno you get it a purgatory by people praying for you it's kind of the same thing people's prayers boost you up i don't know yeah i don't know that's that's what made me think of yeah the power of faith absolutely that series we're talking about uh supernatural that has faith seems to have a the problem i had without with supernatural was the demons the rules with the demon's possession. I never really liked that. That the fact they could almost possess anyone. But that's a aside. But since we're outside of the top ten. Any other modern fantasy. That we want to talk about. That isn't book wise that we talked about. I mean as a genre I think it's been. It's been growing in popularity for a while now. That's when you look at it, like and there's other stuff like kind of made me think of it when you're talking about like stuff being hidden, like Hellboy. It's kind of the same thing. Brings a lot of that mythical stuff, and then but it's for some reason, you know, it still remains hidden. Yeah, um, Spawn is a, a good example. Yeah, of that. And that's another one. Um, and that might be where it kind of stems from is like the the comic book thing mixing a lot of that stuff into modern era modern psychiatry there's been a lot of like recently too like lock and key it was was pretty popular and that warrior nun series is pretty popular now um and then there was uh, um there's also general fantasy which is been popular uh, all the lord of the rings movies the witcher yeah. Video games, World of Warcraft. I mean, well, that's you, not yeah, modern fantasy. It's not that's modern fantasy. Kind of been around for a, but they're know, sort of a fantasy. Modern fantasy is more the self-insert. When you have modern characters, you can insert yourself better into the fantasy world. That's what I'm going to. The fantasy transplants into people you can see your friends as, as you are. I'm just. Shooting well, that's out, yeah. Then that's that's the that's way too vague. That's way too vague because you can uh, apply that to. I mean, we're all we we could all be archetypes if we pick and choose which aspects of ourselves fit into a certain character model, right? But then, like, so I was thinking about Wolfenstein, the the latest Wolfenstein game where the Nazis won, right? And it was supposed to be today, but in a world where Germany ended up taking over the United States. Is that a modern fantasy? I mean, not that I fantasize about Nazis taking over the United States, but... That's alternate history. That's, that's set in modern times, but that's yeah. like... 
There's a, I don't know, I feel like in my mind, and I know we kind of dismissed cyberpunk stuff in the, in the top ten, but there's a cross there of, of modern fantasy as we know it. Because I can't go to the fucking classifieds and find a wizard. You know what I mean? So it's... Well, you brought up Fifty Shades of Grey as an example, just probably as a joke, but... As a joke, absolutely. But fantasy Shout out refers icy. to more uh, generally the magic system. There needs to be a supernatural element. You can explain it with logic. In fact, Dresden Files does that rather well. They're soft Logic. and hot. It has rules to it. Harry Potter has a very soft magic system. Even Dresden Files is rather loose with it. There's a lot harder magic systems out there. My man had a fucking sliver of sunlight in a handkerchief. <laughs> yeah. Reminded me a lot of Supernatural. That's almost science fiction is all I'm saying. Like, I, I've been playing um, Shadowrunner, right? And I have... I have mages on call. They can do wizardy things. How is that not a modern thing? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying. I understand. A lot of science fiction gets into almost the super science fantasy realm, but there's still a distinction. You, they generally at least do pseudoscience. It's nothing wrong with asking the question. What's the difference between something like man in the high tower alternate like wolfenstein where basically uh the germans and the japan split america between themselves there's sort of like a neutral zone buffer zone where remnants of the u.s still kick along and squalor there's a lot of things that explore alternate history you could consider that your own separate genre there's also uh, Isekai. I'm, that's actually becoming more popular in novels from what I see. Basically, people in the modern world either getting sent back, typically getting sent back to a fantasy world. There's a lot of books out there. I got recommended one. It was called Dungeon Lord. Basically, someone from a fantasy world created a video game on our planet. And... They basically made the video game had people from our world control like indestructible, practically indestructible go golems to like just wipe out all the evil. The church over there got these people from our world, RPG players to wipe out the evil of their world. I mean, there's a lot of applications within the fantasy and science fiction genre. Mm, okay. And the division between fantasy and sci-fi can be loose or hard. It's thin, yeah, my opinion. I mean, there are some, like, bring up Orson Scott Card. I mean, his, his, if you actually read the books, I don't know if they explained it in the movie, but time travel actually follows the rules of relativity in that. Mm -hmm. They do the same in Bobaverse. Both series have a lot of crossover. They have a... Uh, Interstellar. Uh, it has scientific concepts, which... A lot are, of rel relativity. Yeah. They get into this, some weird time paradox. 
thing that pro would that be supported by science? That would be interesting to look up. Interstellar? Yeah, yeah, where he goes back in time and sort of whispers a message, I think, when he's in that time vortex. Well, maybe that's where it crosses. Into the fantasy realm. But mm. there could be... But the relativity of time moving slower if gravity's more intense yes. and things but like that. going yeah. backwards, I think, is the weird thing. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, the space-time being curved, nonlinear... You know, okay. yeah. time theories, string theory, not really that far out of the realm of possibility, depending on what theoretical framework of the universe you're talking Technically, about. Technically, his dark well, material they... could be science fiction. Their magic system could just be their sort of science. Could be. Their soul breaks off and forms into another creature. They could have bigger souls if you want to. But soul is is it really a science? Generally, science fiction st- strays away from souls. Not yet. I think there's going to come a time where our particular string of jellyfish electrical responses could be considered. We just don't. We just don't get it yet. I think is <laughs> is the thing with souls. Okay, you believe in reincarnation, Mike. No, I didn't say that. Um, I think our, which I could, I haven't really thought too much about reincarnation, but on the whole, I don't know. Something's keeping this immortal engine running. I don't know. Well, I've always, I have a series about, I have a few series or at least ideas. I have a short story about an afterlife that follows the, the rules of thermodynamics. Energy cannot be destroyed or created. If you create, if you consider soul a sort of energy matrix, it couldn't be destroyed. And you would always have a loss of principle. So I sort of had offshoots of souls sort of combine into one soul. That's not that's still fantasy and not science fiction, but I applied the laws of thermodynamics for this concept to the soul. I'm sure we're going to see more of that. I'm sure there's plenty out there can't name any off the top of my hands i mean the guy who did i am legend had uh what dreams may become if you ever saw that horrible i liked it but a lot of people panned what dreams may become with robin williams because it was mm-hmm. a serious movie with robin williams was don Cheadle in there was he his buddy uh i think uh Cuban Gooden Jr. was in that movie. Is that who it was? Yeah, he played okay. his son. It was a weird thing. I think he took the form of a black guy because he really admired the black guy, but he was Robin Williams' son. Forget how they explained that away. It's been a while since I watched Maybe Robin Williams was black and the black guy really admired a white guy. But I see what you're saying. That's interesting. No, they showed Robin Williams' character while he was alive. From his point of view. Okay, you're going rather meta, but... Yeah. I don't know, I never saw it. Oh, I should have said spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched What Dreams May Become. For that 25-year-old movie? Yeah. So many spoilers getting leaked out, because we assume people who wanted to watch it would watch it. This is something we should talk about on a separate podcast, but... 
spoiler warning was like a big deal when Game of Thrones is going on, but it's kind of become a meme now because I, I've noticed a lot of people will say the spoiler and then say spoiler warning in my YouTube escapades. Oh, okay. No one cares anymore. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm it. I'm it with some currently running things that came out just a few days ago. Sure. I really think that should be included, but for things. Like, there was a joke in Red vs. Blue about loss. Someone's like, that's sort of bullshit. Like, how they were all dead and in purgatory. Dude, spoilers? Be like, oh, I'm gonna go back and watch that from 20 years ago. No, it was, well, there's definitely it, like a grace period. Red vs. Blue was after like, that, yeah. Red vs. Blue was set like 200 years in the future because it was a parody off of uh, Halo. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. bringing up. Oh, oh, I get, I got you. That's funny. Yeah, mm. in the context of its two hundred years yeah. in the future, in character in Halo. Yeah, 